Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. I want to, uh, today we're beginning a three-part series that we're calling Mission-Minded. Mission-Minded. And before I jump into this, I, I've got a lot that I want to get to today. Um, before I jump into this, I, I've, I've struggled with the series. I've struggled with today in particular. And really the goal behind this series is to kind of share with you uh, the vision, the mission um, that we feel called to as a church and we believe that is the heart of God. And today's message I was I was worn with it. I was telling my wife this last week. I was like, I don't. I said I'm kind of excited about this, but I don't really know what to expect, and I don't know if this is even really. I'm like, what? It, like, what? What good is this going to do? Is this really going to hit anywhere? Is this really going to affect anybody? Is this really going to change anybody? Is God going to be able to do what God wants to do? And here's what I felt like I told her just yesterday or the day before. What I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, <laughs> and it was just simply this: assume nothing. And so here's where I'm coming to you from today. So if we start talking about this and you're like, well, I've already heard that. and Well, I already know that. and Well, I already think that. And well, I already, you know, just hang with me until the end because I feel like the Holy Spirit told me assume nothing. Assume nothing. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about uh, three different aspects of what we feel like is the heart of God. And over the last year and a half, probably, I, I really felt like God has been challenging uh, in my relationship with him and in relationship with other people, uh, really what the vision and the mission of our church is all about. And so here are some of the questions that uh, I've been wrestling with. You know, just what I said, what is the vision? What is the mission? What is the goal? What is success? Come on, sometimes sometimes we need to redefine success. Anybody ever need to redefine success in your life? You know, I thought success was this, and well, I got disappointed when that didn't happen, and, and the Holy Spirit's like, that's not success. That's not the goal. That's not what... I have planned for you. That's not where I was trying to take you. You were looking at the wrong target. And, uh, I'll, you know, what is it that we want people to do? What is our desire for your life as, as people that call Impact Church home? Or really the best question of all is this one right here, and I think we have this. What is it that God desires for his people? What is it? I don't think there's any better question that we can ask. It's like, where are we going as a church? What are we trying to accomplish? What is the goal? What is success? What is the mission? There's no better question to start with than what is it that God desires for his people? And here's what I believe, just three things, and I'll give you two different ways to say it really. Uh, here's, here's what I think God's desire is. It's that lost people, to see lost people saved, saved people discipled, and discipled people mobilized. That I think the heart of God is to see you saved and then discipled and then doing something. <laughs> Let me say it again. You saved, then discipled, and then actually doing something. Mobilize, putting it into action in your life. And so uh, here's how you might can remember it a little bit easier this way, just in three words that we've said a few different times. Uh, really over the last several months, but it's to know, grow, and go. To know, grow, and go. To lead people to know God personally, grow deep in their faith, and go make an impact in the world. Go make 
disciples. And here's what I think. If there's a breakdown in this journey, because we're going to look at this over the next three weeks as this journey that God is wanting, that he desires to take you on. That he desires to take every person on. To see lost people saved, to see saved people discipled, and to see discipled people mobilized. And I think if lost people aren't getting saved, then we have a problem. That that if if more people aren't coming to Christ, then there's a problem. If, if people aren't being discipled after they give their life to Jesus, there's a problem. Are you with me? If, if people who are discipled aren't mobilized and they aren't repeating the process in their own lives, we have a problem. And I'm not trying to I'm just trying to set this up for you with what we're talking about today and over the next cup over the next three weeks. That if if we're not seeing it's like okay, the heart of God is He He wants to see lost people saved. If we're not seeing that, then there's there's you know there's a problem somewhere. If we're not seeing people discipled, there's a problem somewhere. If we're not seeing people that are discipled actually going out and repeating the process and doing it in their own life, then there's a problem somewhere. And I like to say it this way. I wrote it down in my notes this way that what are we mobilizing people to do to repeat this? To repeat this in your own life, to share your testimony and the gospel with people in your life, to take people under your wing and walk with them to help them grow and learn what God's word says and what his will is for their life and to mobilize them then to go and do the same. So that in your life you would see people on on the regular that are coming to know Christ, that you are leading to Jesus, and then you're taking them alongside you and teaching them, okay, this is what God's Word says, this is how you understand it, this is what we're called to do, and then you're sending them out, and now they're going out and they're finding people. So that the process can be repeated over and over and over and over again so that people can know Jesus. What did Jesus teach his disciples to do? I, I put it in three in three steps, really, just, and this is just my language. You're not going to find this language necessarily in the Bible if you go through there. But just as I was reading through a lot of this, this is kind of the language that, that the Lord had me put it in for me to remember it. What did Jesus teach his disciples to do? He said, give your life to me, follow me and live this way, and go and repeat it. Like, surrender to me, let me teach you, and now go do that for somebody else. Surrender your life to me. Obey, let me teach you, let me train you, let me disciple you, like follow me, and then go and do that for somebody else. And so here's my question for you as we begin this series together. And it's simply this, have you taken this journey so you can go and do the same? And this is where I wrestled with this message specifically for today and really even this series And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, assume nothing. So my question to you today, person who says you're a Christian, can I just get all up in your business for a minute? Person who says that you are following Jesus, person that if somebody asked you, do you believe in God, your response without even hesitation would be, oh yeah, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Have you taken, have you really taking this journey that God desires to take you on so that it can be repeated. Have you really, we should have put the word really in there. Have you really taken this journey 
so that it can be repeated in your own life? Have you truly 100% received God's grace and forgiveness in your life? Have you confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life? Have you surrendered your life to him? Have you submitted yourself to be discipled? Come on, somebody. Have you committed to be in a group on a regular basis? Are you activating your faith to go and change the world? Are you investing in other people in your life? Let me ask you again. Are you really taking the journey? Have you really gone on the journey that God desires for you to go on? Have you really gone through this so that God can use you to accomplish what his heart is on the earth? Are you with me this morning? So here's what I want to attempt to do really to the best of my ability over the next three weeks. And I kind of just have broken it down like this. I want to try to explain why we can't just settle for one of these three things in our lives. We can't just settle for one of the three. I think we have to go for all three, that that's God's desire uh, is for us to accomplish all three of them. I want to show you how we're trying to accomplish these things or what maybe God's desire is for us as a church and how we can accomplish these so that, that you can be equipped, so that I can be equipped and we can be mobilized to do these things in our own life during the week. Come on, did you know that, did you know that Sunday's not the goal? Some of us are living for Sunday. <laughs> if I can just get to Sunday, bless God, get in the presence of God, then maybe everything, like I can go into my Monday and everything will be better. Sunday's not the goal. And some of y'all are coming in, and this is, this is what we do sometimes. We come to church, and we, we, you know, we, we sit through some worship songs, and we hear a message, and we, we walk out, and we're like, you know, what you think of church today? Oh, that was all right. And you'll say things like that if Sunday's the goal. Well, it was okay. You know, really didn't speak to me, but, you know, it was good. Well, they didn't really sing my song. I was really hoping they would sing that song. You know that, do it again. I just love it when they, well, I just feel the presence of God. Holy Spirit just comes on me when they sing do it again. I'm like, yes, Lord, do it again. Sunday is not the goal. God's desire for you is for you to do these things during the week. Everywhere that you go, with every person that he brings into your life, it's the heart of God. And then the, the last thing is I want to give an opportunity each week for you to join the mission. And I'm just telling you again, I'm going to tell you again, I'm going to tell you all Sunday long, I'm going to tell you all service long, I'm going to tell you all series long, I'm assuming nothing. <laughs> so I'm going to give you an opportunity to join the mission. And, and maybe by the end of this, you might, you might realize at the end of each week, like, mm, I really hadn't joined the mission. I say I believe that, but I really hadn't joined, <laughs> I really hadn't joined up with what God wants to do through my life. And so I've titled this message today, all of that was a long introduction, wasn't it? Long introduction. I've titled this message today, All Aboard. You ever, you ever been, you know, just standing out, you see people on movies or whatever, and they're standing out by a train, you know, or, or something like that. It's like, all aboard. And I was thinking, like, that was the picture that came to my mind while I was preparing this and, and trying to piece this together to the best of my ability. And I don't know if I'm going to do it justice or not, but I hope that I do. Um, and to do this each week, I'm going to give you three points in the form of questions, and then we're going to try to answer those questions together. And really my goal in this series and every message is to kind of get out of the way, especially today, is to kind of get out of the way and let God's word really speak to you. 
uh, because maybe there's some things in God's word that you've quoted or you've said or you you know or maybe you've never heard of before and you're going to be like wow I didn't even know that was in the Bible I didn't know that somebody wrote that down and I'm supposed to be reading that you need to read your Bible come on somebody you need to be reading the word of God you need to be studying the word of God but I want to try to get out of the way and just let God's word speak to you today so that you can see where you find yourself and I want you to really ask yourself as we go through this message today I want you to ask yourself However you want to ask it, have I really joined the mission? Have I really done this? Have I really gotten on board with the mission that God wants to accomplish? Am I really living this out in my life? And so here's the first thing. Today we're talking about the first word. Each week we're going to talk about a different word. Today we're talking about no. Next week we're going to talk about grow. And then the last week we're going to talk about go. And so seeing lost people saved, here's question Number one that I want to try to answer for you to the best of my ability and let God's word really do the talking. How do we know that leading people to know God personally is God's desire? If you don't know that this is what God desires for you to do, then why would you do it? And my, my concern is that there are some of us that really don't understand the weight really don't understand, maybe weight is not the greatest word, the importance, the, the uh, vital importance on this topic and what God says. And I want to read you, today we're going to go through quite a bit of scripture, and I just want to let God's word speak to you, and I believe that, that he's going to do whatever he needs to do. This is Second Peter chapter 3, I want to read verses 1 through 9. We're answering this question. How do we really know that, that leading people that, that leading people to know God personally is really his desire for my life? This is my second letter to you, dear friends. And in both of them, I have tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. I want you to remember what the Holy Prophet said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded through, the, through your apostles. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come, mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. They deliberately forget that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command, and he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same word, come on, we're kind of like, he's taking us through some Bible stories that many of us are familiar with. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. Do you, like, I'm going to keep reading, but do you, feel the, do you feel the importance already? That ungodly people, that people that have not received Jesus, that have not been saved, that it says, they are being kept up, the, the, the earth and the heavens are being kept up for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be, what? Destroyed. Destroyed. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise. I can just picture them, they're, you know, they're, they're sitting there, maybe they're asking some questions and you're asking questions like, what's taking so long? Like, I, just wish, I just wish the Lord would just come back right now. Come on, like the world's just going to hell in a handbasket and we just need Jesus to come back right now. And this is, this is what it says. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. 
Why? Why is he being patient for your sake? He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to say this word with me, repent. Why is, like, what is taking him so long to come back? He is being patient because it's not that he's breaking his promise. Oh, no, 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 no. It's going to happen. But he's being patient for your sake. Why? Because he doesn't desire for anybody to be destroyed, but for every person to repent. God's desire is for every single person on the earth to turn from their sin and surrender their life to Jesus. Seeing lost people saved matters. It matters. 1 Timothy 2 verses 1 through 4. I urge you first of all to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. Everyone. Matthew 18 verses 12 through 14. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others on the hills and go out to search for the one that is lost? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he will rejoice over it more than over the 99 that didn't wander away. In the same way, it is not my heavenly Father's will that even one of these little ones should perish. Not one. Luke chapter 15, I want to read verses 1 through 24. And there's three stories that Jesus tells uh, to, the, to these people. He says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to Jesus or to listen to Jesus teach. So they're coming like we could, okay, they're coming to listen to Jesus teach. So here's what, they're, here's what they're doing. They're coming to church. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to church and sat in a chair. <laughs> they often came in and they sat in a chair and they enjoyed the worship and whoa. And they listened to the words that Jesus was saying. They made the Pharisees and teachers, this made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people. Even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. They're mad at Jesus. Why are you spending time with people that, that don't even believe? Why are you spending time with people that are tax collectors? Why are you spending time with people that we know are sinners? Like, Jesus, I just saw them three nights ago, and I know what they were doing. And now you're going to sit down and eat with them? And then Jesus tells these stories. This is what it says. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Sound familiar? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together all call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Or suppose, he goes into another story, or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. 
To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want, it, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land. And he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the, his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, I love the way that words that, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. So the party began. Why did the party begin? Because somebody who was lost was now found. And so the party began. Luke 19, chapter 19 and verse 10. For the Son of Man, Jesus, came to seek and save those who are lost. Came to seek and save those who are lost. Did you know that lost people matter to God? Did you know? Let me say it this way. Talk with my hands for a minute. Do you know that lost people matter to God? Or do you know that lost people matter to God? If, if we were to follow you around for a week, Would we know that you know that lost people matter to God? If we were with you on your job, would we know that you know that lost people really matter to God? Does your life reflect the fact that lost people really matter to God? Jesus said, I even, I came to seek and to save the lost. God's heart is for lost people. Here's question number two is how are we trying to accomplish this part of the mission? What, what, is, what, is, what is the Lord's primary way that he wants to accomplish this? To see lost people 
saved. Did you know, like, we, we're going to have opportunities that if somebody was to walk into this room that didn't know Jesus, for them to receive salvation, to receive forgiveness, to repent of their sin. But did you know that, that God's primary way that he wants to do this is through you. It's it's through you. See, here's here's what I think, and I know I'm just all over you today. And it's kind of like sorry, but not sorry, because <laughs> I really feel like this is what I'm supposed to tell you. And I'm assuming nothing. I think we are trying. I think we rely too much on the church that we go to to reach the lost. And in our own lives, we're not reaching the lost. We're not we're not allowing God to to show us, to to move through us, to to share the gospel with people in our lives. And I don't know, like I said, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be harsh. I don't know where you land with this. But I think for so long, it has been the church's responsibility. And by the church, I mean the building and the organization. That, hey, this building and organization should be reaching people for Jesus. Like, I should be reaching people for Jesus. God wants to use you to reach people for Jesus. God wants to, to place you in certain situations where you can lead people to Jesus. And I'm not saying, like, we're going to have an opportunity. Like, if, like if, if there's somebody and you're like, one, you know, one Sunday, you're like so excited because this person you've been inviting to church for the last three years finally has come to church. Like, like we want to give that person an opportunity in that moment in the presence of God to, to give their life, to surrender their life to Jesus. But that can't be the only thing. That can't be the only way that we accomplish it. I think that God wants to use you. That you and I are called individually to spread the good news of Jesus to everyone to see people saved. Come on, your home is a mission field. Your job is a mission field. Your friends are a mission field. Your city is a mission field. Let me say it this way. You're a missionary. <laughs> you are. God wants to use you. And sometimes I, I, picture, I picture us sometimes as Christians, we're standing in a circle worshiping God and as someone walks by who is hurting or someone walks by who is lost <laughs> and we don't share with them how they can get in on the grace and mercy that we're celebrating in that moment. Like we're, we're worshiping and we're, we're celebrating and we're thankful and then there are people all around us that we just don't, and I don't think, I don't think we do it on purpose. I just, I think that we struggle to think that way. 
We struggle to make it a priority. We struggle to, to wake up every day and, and to live our lives in such a way that says, God, I'm surrendered to you today, and whatever you want to do through me today, whoever you put in my path today, I want to reach somebody for you. I want to take somebody alongside me today. I want to invest in somebody else's life today. We just have to start we just have to start thinking that way. We just, have to, we just have to really surrender our life to Jesus and say, hey, lost people matter to Jesus, and so lost people are going to matter to me. If it matters to God, it matters to me. And I was asking myself this question, and I want to ask you this question today. If you really believe that salvation matters and eternity is for real, if you really believe that salvation matters and eternity is for real, why would you not share it? I'm going to preach to this brick wall <laughs> for a few minutes. <laughs> if, like, I was asking myself this question, if I really believe that salvation and eternity really matters, and it's a real thing, and that, you know, like, we have a decision to make, why would I not share it? Why would I not share the way if I believe that it matters? Mark 16, 15 says, And then he told them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Go into all, like Jesus said, go into all the world, like, like everywhere and tell them about me tell them what I did tell them how they can get in on what you already know share the good news with everyone everyone we're called to go into all the world well I thought that was your job Pastor Gabe to go into all the world We're all called to preach the good news and tell people about Jesus and share our faith with others. Go into all the world. So here's the question before we move on to question number three. And then I want to pray for you is, are you doing it? And I know you're sitting here right now, and like the reason I struggle with this so much, I think it was the enemy that didn't want me to say what I'm saying. <laughs> but I struggle with it so much because I was like, well, maybe they are doing it. I don't know. You know, I don't like I'm not sitting around like at your job and at your house and, and all this stuff. But I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit said, assume nothing. Assume nothing. So my question to you today is if you believe it's real, if you believe salvation, if you believe that God cares for lost people and you should care for lost people, like, are you doing it? Are you doing it? And here's question number three. It's simply this. How can you join the mission? How can you join the mission? And maybe today is the day that you jump aboard this journey that God has called you to by surrendering your life to Jesus and taking the first step. And this is, I want to I read you some scripture, and then I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to give you the opportunity to make a decision. 
I'm going to tell you up front where we're going. I'm going to give you the opportunity to make a decision. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, what you should have received for the sin in your life is death. But Jesus paid the price for you so that you could have eternal life by placing your trust in him, by repenting, placing your trust in him, confessing him as Lord and Savior of your life. Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 25. As the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Their talk is foul like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. Imagine that picture. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follow them. They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God at all. Obviously, the law applies to those whom, to whom it was given. For its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. <laughs> like the law was given so that you wouldn't have an excuse. <laughs> that you would have to know there is no way I can do this. There is no way. Like, I am a sinner. I am, like, I have sin in my life. It is to show you. And then verse 20, for no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. When you think about the, the, the law, when you think about the, the Ten Commandments, when you think about all the law, if you read through the Old Testament, the law shows us how sinful we are. Like the law, you should look at that and be like, whoa, I need a savior. I need somebody to save me. I am sinful. I cannot figure this out. I do not have it all together. It, it shows us how sinful we are. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him. Somebody say, praise God. Without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. Verse 22. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone, come on, we know this verse. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short. Of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace. Freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus. When he freed us from the penalty. For our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice. For sin. People are made right with God. When they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life. Shedding his blood. I want to bring the worship team. Back up. John 3.16, come on, we know this verse. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Romans 10 verses 9 and 10. If you, listen to this, listen to this. Because we quote this verse, but I want you to listen and I want you to read what this verse says. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead... You will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. 1 John 1 verses 8 and 9. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But listen. 
if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Listen, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. Listen to me. I want you to lean in. Like, lean in for just a moment. The highway to hell is broad. And its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow. The gateway to life is very narrow. And the road is, say this with me, difficult. The gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. John 14, 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Nobody can come to God except through me. Will you stand to your feet today? I, I want to ask you again, and I know you're thinking like, what, what in the world are you talking about? Like, we know this. Like, I prayed a prayer 17 years ago. I prayed a prayer when I was 7. I prayed a prayer when I was 34. I want to ask you again. As we end today, have you truly 100% received God's grace and forgiveness in your life? Have you confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life? Like, have you really done that? Have you surrendered your life to him? Have you made him Lord? And I looked up just, just our definition, just what... We put in the dictionary of what it means for somebody to be Lord. Are you ready? The word Lord. Someone or something having power, authority, or influence. A master or ruler. So let me, let me rephrase. To openly declare that Jesus is Lord means that I submit to his power, his authority, his influence, and he is master of my life. So let me ask you again. Have you openly declared that Jesus is Lord? Have you made him Lord of your life? Well, what, what does that look like? I think a great verse for us to end with and then to pray is Galatians 2.20. Paul says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. What does that mean? It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And so I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What, 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 is it, what does it look like? It means that I have 
been, my old self has been crucified with Christ. Like, I have died. I have died. I heard somebody, uh, there was something that was shared on Facebook and I watched it. And there was a statement that was made in this message. This person, this individual was talking about how they had just been being pruned and and things were, I mean, like God was just doing this entirely new work in their life and they were realizing some things and they were coming to grips with some things and they were they were telling the Lord like God like I'm it's almost like I'm glad that you're doing this but this hurts this hurts like what you're doing and the things that you're rearranging and all this stuff that you're doing in my life it hurts and here's what he said and I don't want to I don't want to misquote it but it was along these lines he said this is what I felt like the Lord told me Dead people don't feel anything. So things that are being fruitful, like he he cuts it back so that it can bear more fruit. And that statement took me right back to this verse that I have been crucified, like my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, it's Christ that lives in me. And that one statement, like, it's, it's this picture in my mind that I have completely surrendered my life to Jesus to the point that it doesn't matter to me what he does. I just want to do what he wants me to do. I want to be who he wants me to be. I want to be about what he is about. I want him to work through me in any way that he possibly wants to. Like I want his will and not mine. And so I am asking you, today over the next two weeks we're going to talk about two completely separate things and how God wants to take us on this journey and and going from lost people being saved to saved people being discipled and discipled people being mobilized but listen it has to start here it has to start with complete surrender it has to start with a repentant heart that says I don't have it all figured out and I have sin in my life and I am not what I should be but today I want my old self to die so that I can live that Christ can live through me so I'm, I, this is this is how I want to ask it today and I don't know this may come across as strong <laughs> Don't, don't take it the wrong way. But here's, here's the invitation. I feel like this is the invitation. To, to get on mission, to get on this journey, here's step one. Are you ready to die? Because I just feel like and, until we actually, until our flesh and our old self, until it actually dies, we're not going to be about the other stuff like we should be. Like, we, have, we have to die. Like, I have to surrender everything. Everything. I have to believe that, that Jesus is who he says he is, that he died, that he rose again, and openly declare. Like, openly declare that he is Lord and so here's how we're going to do this today and I, I, I want to lead you in a prayer to the best of my ability 
I know normally we would say like heads bowed and eyes closed. Nobody looking around. Heads up and eyes open. If you're here today, and this could be one person, this could be nobody, and if it's nobody, then we'll just move on. Y'all can have a great week. If you are here today and you say, I'm, re- I'm, like, I'm ready to surrender. I want to be about what God is about. And I want to live my life. I want my life to reflect Him in a way that when, I, that when people get around me, they're like, what in the world? Like, I can't even... So if, if that's you and you're ready to surrender, you're ready to, to really die for your old self to be crucified with Christ. I want you to lift your hands in the air right where you are. Oh, it takes guts to openly declare. <laughs> like I'm openly declaring. I can do it. I'll never, like I'll never, ha- I'll never figure it all out can't be good enough so I want you to pray this prayer in your heart and today there are some of us in this room that we're going to die so that Christ can live through us amen so come on lift your hands lift your hands say Jesus I believe that you came to earth you lived a perfect life you took the pain, you took the penalty for my sin. I'm a sinner. And I need you to save me. And so today I believe that you rose from the dead on the third day. And I openly declare that you are Lord and I make you Lord of my life. Today I am crucified with you. The old is gone. The new has come. And today I get on mission. I want to know you more. I thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, somebody clap your hands for people that have completely surrendered. Come on, and it doesn't stop right here. Come on, when you get up tomorrow on Monday morning, wait a minute, I died so that Christ can live through me, so that I can, so that other people can know him personally, and so that I can be discipled, and so that I can take people alongside me and disciple others, so that we can be mobilized to change the world. So God, right now, I just thank you. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence. I thank you for those that have made this decision today, that have boldly declared and put their faith and trust in you. God, that we have repented, that we have turned to you. Lord, I pray that we would never, ever, ever be the same in Jesus' name. God, I pray for those that maybe didn't make that decision today. Lord, that that you would that you would work on their heart. Unapologetically, that you would work on their heart. Lord, that we would be about what you're about. We give you all the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Hey, thank you guys so much for being here. We love you. We thank you. Uh, Man, I I believe that God is going to do incredible things in your life. They're going to sing this song. And as you're being dismissed today,
Come on, tell somebody. If you made that decision, tell somebody that you made that decision. Tell somebody you surrendered your life to Jesus today. Amen. We love you guys. God bless you. We hope you have a great week.